Hello and welcome to the Put a Ring on It podcast, a podcast from me, Danielle Pasternak, wedding coordinator of DPNAC Weddings. And me, Daniel Moyer of Daniel Moyer Photography. The Put a Ring on It podcast is for brides, grooms, and anyone planning a wedding who wants insider knowledge, behind the scenes stories, and downright sensible wedding planning advice. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to our first mini episode of Put a Ring on It. Today, we're going to be diving right in talking about an article that has caused some controversy in the wedding industry and has had quite a few pros, particularly photographers, actually really upset. The article was published on Vogue.com and is called The 10 Wedding Rules to Break. And in this article, the author Molly gives 10 examples of things you should essentially ditch for your wedding, one of which is actually hiring a professional photographer. Yeah, initially I wanted to be a little frustrated by this article because I'm I'm a professional photographer and you know this is something that I believe in and you know I'm not just doing this for some random reason. I believe in the power of photographs and the power of documenting a very special day in couples lives. Um and we're going to get into a little bit more later. Um but Danielle and I thought it might be just a better idea to have a more pragmatic approach to this article. The main point that Danielle and I took from this article is that you should consider the wedding traditions you've seen and explore their applicability to your own wedding. If something doesn't feel right, then maybe you don't need to do it. Your wedding doesn't have to fit into a box. And just because the wedding industry, your family or your friends say to do something, it doesn't mean that you have to actually do it. Right. And there's two things that the article, I think, got very, very right. Um, the first thing she says is it's 2016 and your mama's wedding is officially a thing of the past. And that's 100% true. Generations getting married today, those weddings are significantly different looking, feeling, etc. than yeah. the weddings that we've seen in the 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s and beforehand. Um, she also says at its core, a wedding is a raw, essential celebration of true love. And that's Absolutely 100% true as well. She mentions 10, technically 11 things in this article of what you don't have. So the article is 10 wedding rules to break. Dan and I went through them and we felt like there's certain things that we agree with. However, maybe not the way she approaches them, that if you don't have it on your wedding day, it's not going to change the fact that you got married. Right. On the other side, there's also items in there that she mentions that we feel were really misrepresented. And we want to kind of go through them a little bit with you. A few of the things that we thought that wouldn't change your wedding day if you didn't have them would be something like rings, um, your something old, something new, a guard bouquet toss, a first dance, a big honeymoon. All those things are totally your call. Exactly. And you can incorporate all of them, some of them, none of them. And at the end of the day, you'll still have a wedding and you'll still be married. Just rings, for example. A lot of couples opt not to have wedding rings. They go with something else like tattoos, necklaces, nothing at all. But for many couples, having some sort of outward symbol of their commitment to each other is important, which I think is where rings come into play for a lot of people. Absolutely. Same goes for the something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. I think most of us have heard that throughout our life as something that every quote unquote bride needs for the wedding. And truth is, you don't need to have those things you can have one of them. You can have three of them. You can have two of them. You can have none of them. It doesn't matter. And if you have something old or something borrowed from a special loved one, feel free to include that, but don't put the pressure on yourself to then also have to include something blue and something new. And you could have nothing at all, and then it's one or four less things to worry about on your checklist. 
technically the 11th item on the list is actually the Garbokatos. And Danielle and I are both actually in favor of skipping this because more often than not, it ends up just feeling a little bit awkward, especially from a, a guest perspective. And you have to think about your guests when, when, if you're deciding to play in this. Will they dig it? Will they be embarrassed by it? it it's just something to consider. Um, and maybe uh, if you're not super into it, then come up with uh, some kind of alternative. If there's a lot going to be a lot of kids at your wedding, uh, maybe throwing a teddy bear um, will be kind of fun because you can incorporate the kids and have some kind of activity for them. Or like just have everybody out there on the wedding dance floor and wrap a $20 bill around the bouquet and chuck it in the middle of the dance floor and see what happens. I feel like that would be really fun to watch and to photograph from your standpoint, Dan. I have never seen that, but I really want somebody who's listening, maybe one of my couples who's potentially listening, uh, to wrap a $20 bill around the bouquet and chuck it into the middle of the dance floor. <laughs> yeah, buddy. And speaking of dance floor, another thing the author mentions about getting rid of is a first dance. And yeah. I think for some of us, we don't like the spotlight, and that's okay. But your first dance doesn't necessarily have to be a three-minute long waltz. It can be whatever feels comfortable to you. It could be fast. It could be slow. It could be a disco it could be choreographed it could be just one minute long or you could skip it all together one of the my favorite parts of our wedding planning process was actually taking dance lessons you know rachel and i weren't super excited about being in the middle of the dance floor uh you know just kind of standing there spinning around but we we decided to take like a completely different perspective on it and we took dance lessons and we just like said you know what if we're going to do this we're going to rock it and we're just going to try to have fun with it and we forced ourselves to do something but you know that process of taking the lessons and stuff actually forced us to do something tangible during our wedding planning process and have a night where we could engage every week you know it was just it was a fun experience to add on and it forced us to get out of our comfort zones a little bit and you're both way better dancers now too <laughs> truth so those are some of the things we read in the article that we felt like, yeah, if you don't have these things, life goes on, not a big deal. But on the other side of the spectrum, there were a few things that she mentioned that we feel were really misrepresented. Um, the first one comes down to logistics. And she says, don't have a big reveal. Or if you're going to have a big reveal, just have like a five minute powwow before you walk down the aisle where you can like snuggle up with your fiance. While that feels great in theory... I can't imagine that happening on a wedding day as planned. From all the weddings I've coordinated, I've learned that the unexpected is always going to happen. No 24-hour day ever goes exactly as you plan, whether it's your wedding day or just the day that you have to get groceries. The last thing you want to add to your plate is a five-minute powwow just before you walk down the aisle. For most of the couples I've seen, this is a super emotional moment um, when you have your big reveal or your first look, whatever you call it. Some people are giddy, some people cry, some get quiet, some scream, literally. So I feel like trying to pack this moment into a five-minute window, especially at one of the highest-stress moments of the day, feels like you're not giving the time that you as a couple deserve on that day. Plan the time for the two of you to spend time together on your day, and don't let it be an afterthought. Speaking of planning and uh, thinking about the future, she talked about reconsidering uh, walking down the aisle with dad, and... Uh, Danielle and I both maybe had a little bit of a gasp when we read that one because it, it just – for me, like as a new dad, uh, my wife's pregnant with a little girl. I am already thinking about walking down the aisle with her and I, I feel like you know if, if you don't have a good relationship with your dad, you don't have to do this obviously. Um, but if you have a great one, this is definitely a conversation you should have with him as I imagine it's something that he has also thought about too if I'm already thinking about it. 
25 years um, in advance. But it's also a really, really great thing, and I've seen this a bunch of times too, to integrate moms and step-parents and siblings too. You know, it, it doesn't have to just be dad but I would say, you know, you can make it a family affair as well. And I think, Danielle, what, your sister's wedding, it was something like that too, right? Yep. At my sister's wedding, it was my mom and my dad and myself. We all walked her down the aisle. We're a semi-small family and we were all there for her and it was, it was pretty sweet. Yeah. And that was back in, gosh, 1999, early 2000s. Back then, wedding registries were a lot different than I think we see now. You no longer have to do a traditional wedding registry at like Macy's or Bed Bath & Beyond or Target. If you already have all of the things that they sell for your house and you don't need any more new linens or dishes, don't register there. Do what feels right to you. I know there's some modern ones like Zola, Z-O-L-A, or ones where guests can donate towards your honeymoon, which I think is pretty cool. Um, either way, when it comes to your registry, don't feel like you have to register for new dishes if you already have dishes that you really like. And whatever you do, do not ask for cash ever. Don't ever ask for cash. Why don't you want to ask for cash? Dan, don't ask me this question. Okay, so if... You say you're having a, a birthday party, Dan, right? You, okay. you have a, always have a great birthday party. When you invite people to your birthday party, have you ever said, <clears throat> and here's where it's going to be and here's what time and oh yeah, I would like cash as a present, please? Ew, that makes me feel a little icky. I feel like I don't yeah. like give, when people give me presents to begin with. No, you don't. Um, but anyway, same applies here. When you have a wedding, as with any party, you would never ask for cash. Um, a wedding registry, I think, helps guide people in what you do and don't need. So just think of it like that. What do you What do you need? What would help? Um, just don't ask for cash. <laughs> so we want to keep this short. This is a mini episode. But the last bit that we want to talk about is when she says, you don't need to hire a professional photographer. Dan, what are your thoughts? So when I read this part, I feel like the only reason she's saying you should have a wedding photographer is to share your photographs on social media. And I feel like it's safe to say that that's not why most couples are getting married. And the issue I have with social media and just posting photos online in general is because like how often do you like so you're scrolling down through Facebook or scrolling down through Instagram and you like double tap on something on Instagram and you move on. You just go through, you look through somebody's wedding pictures once, you click like, awesome, that's really, really great. But people just move through timelines and they're just on to the next thing. And I feel like that that kind of undermines the importance of actual wedding photographs. The idea that I, I'm, I'm trying to get across is that like there's there's a romance to holding images in your hand and to looking at images in an album. It's like the the footprint that your pictures have I think on online is much less than if they're printed in your hand. Like especially if you want to share them with other people, I think people just tend to move on or move through things quickly and then they're forgotten about. Also like who knows what social media is going to be like in 20 years? Um, you know, of course, everything is is moving towards digital and online. But in terms of like f the photograph as a record, I think the print actually matters. One of the things she says, Dan, is if social media is not your thing, why not scatter some disposable cameras around the party and let your drunken guests go to town? I haven't seen a disposable camera at a wedding in quite some time, but that might be regional to where we are. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the last time I saw him. I haven't seen him in a while either. But regardless, I've always come back to this idea that your guests are guests at the wedding and they shouldn't have any other job. They're just there to celebrate. My mind always goes to the fact that like 
if your guests don't actually pick up disposable cameras or if something goes wrong, then you then you really have nothing. In theory, it's great. But what happens when you get all those drunk, dancing, silly, fun table shots back and there's not one photo of you and your grandma or there's not one photo of you and your mom? Would you have would you wish that you would have done something different? I think that's a lot to leave up to chance. And there's no one to be held accountable other than your guests who should have been taking photos, um, but instead we're having some drinks uh, and partying because it's a day off for them and they really just wanted to throw down. Okay, well, let me get off my soapbox a little bit now. <laughs> um, I think it's important to remember that having a wedding is a luxury. Anybody can go to a courthouse now and and get married and get a, a license, but the wedding day itself is actually a luxury. What you do with your wedding day is your choice as a couple, and the most important aspects of your day are also your choice and your choice alone. Danielle and I have said it a million times before. I feel like it's becoming our mantra. Um, but if you just come up with, you know, maybe the top three themes or experiences or something that you want your guests to take away from your wedding and you hold up every decision to that, you just cannot be steered wrong. Well said, Dan. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for our first mini episode. We've got an amazing episode coming your way next Tuesday featuring um, Brie Ryback of Capital Romance, who's amazing and a good friend of mine. So don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, and we will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.